Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Monday, May the 2nd, 2022. It is currently 4.20 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. Now, if you were listening, let's see, when was the first day? I'm going to open up. The first day was April the 30th, 2022. If you were listening on April the 30th, 2022, you know I did a live broadcast that I entitled Law and Grace Contrasted. And we started talking about the difference between law and grace. And the reason we started talking about that is because of an article that was written in 1949 by Dr. Merrill F. Unger. And he was, uh, he was at the time a professor of Old Testament and Semitics uh, at Dallas Theological Seminary. And because of this article, we started talking about law and grace and contrasting it and trying to make sure we understood the difference. Now, here's the reason why, because I'm going to go back to this article that was written back in 1949. Listen carefully, because this sets up everything we're getting ready to do, all right? Here we go. In the study of the Holy Scriptures, as indeed in any other study, it is of paramount importance to distinguish carefully between things that differ. Unless this is done, untold darkness and confusion will result where otherwise there would be perfect light and clarity. So if you want untold darkness and confusion, don't distinguish between things that are different in your Bible study or in your theology. Don't distinguish those things that are different, and you're going to get untold darkness and confusion. However, if you want perfect light and clarity, you have to distinguish between those things that are different. So we did two studies where we took apart this article called Law and Grace, a Bible Contrast, again from 1949. We, we went through this and we tried to dist- distinguish as much as possible the difference between law and grace. Well, as I was thinking about that, I started thinking, you know what? There's another very important distinction that must be made. There's an, another very important difference that we must discuss, and that is the distinction and the difference between position and practice. If you care at all about your Christian life, you care at all about understanding the Bible, if you care at all about theology, I think if you care at all about discipling people, if you care at all about giving any kind of good, sound, biblical counsel to someone, you have to help them understand the difference between position and practice. They need to know the difference between law and grace, and they need to know the difference between position and practice. So I, I was thinking, and I'm like, oh, I know what. On my Kindle, I have a book called One Year Discipleship Course. It's a one-year discipleship course. I've gone through the book multiple times, and I think, and I, and I was thinking about it, and I'm like, I, I was saying to myself, you know, I think that there's a chapter on position and practice. So I'm going to pull up that chapter and we'll we'll talk about it. it. It may take us two or three parts to do this. Well, we, we spent two episodes working on the difference between law and grace. Now we'll spend maybe two, maybe three episodes working on the difference between position and 
practice because I don't want anyone to find themselves in untold darkness and confusion. I want people to find themselves with clarity. I want them to be in the light. I want them to have understanding. But if you don't draw a distinction here, if you don't know the difference, I think you lead lead people into a really confused understanding of the Christian life. And I think it's one that leads to discouragement, depression, frustration, and dare I say, deconstruction, using that term, which is very prominent in our culture today. A lot of people reach like the end of themselves. They're like, they don't understand this whole Christian thing. And they start deconstructing. Maybe they're deconstructing because they were, they were confused by this distinction between position and practice. So are you ready? We're just going to jump in and look at this. Now, the chapter is called Position and Practice. Again, it's in the one-year discipleship course by David Cloud. I think you, you can you should still be able to get it on your Kindle for relatively cheap. I don't agree with everything in the book or every theological perspective, but I, I think that they at least they they talk about these distinctions. So we're gonna work through it. Not necessarily that I agree with everything. If there's something, put it this way, if there's something I disagree, obviously I will point it out. But I want it, I want us to at least start here because here's someone who believes that there a distinction needs to be made. We need to note the difference. So I'm going to use their attempt to draw this distinction and difference, and we will see whether we agree or disagree. Now, when you open up this chapter, at least on my Kindle. You see the title, Position and Practice, and right underneath that, it has memory verses. Here's verses, because this is supposed to be designed to be like a discipleship curriculum. Um, It could be a Sunday school curriculum. It could even be a Bible Institute curriculum. Um, I'm not going to necessarily pursue it, do it from uh, in that way, but I still want us to read these memory verses because I'm assuming that if they give us these memory verses, that they believe these verses are absolutely critical to the subject of knowing the difference and and con and and seeing the difference and distinguishing and seeing the contrast between our position and our practice as believers. All right? So are you ready? Okay. The first one is Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 we read these words, Ephesians chapter one, verse three, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now, I think the reason this verse is chosen as a memory verse is because it, it's, it's where we read this idea that we are in Christ and in Christ, I've been blessed with all spiritual blessings. In Christ, I have every single spiritual blessing, but this clearly is referring to my position. I am in Christ and I am blessed with every spiritual blessing. Ephesians 5 8. Ephesians 5 8. For you were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light. In the Lord, walk as children of light. Now, that's interesting in Ephesians 5, 8. You were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. In Christ, in my position, I am light. I am perfectly righteous. I am perfectly holy. I am godly. I am without sin in my position. Why? Because of the imputed righteousness of Christ. But please note, for you were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. 
in other words, I'm going to say this. I think I think I've described the Christian life like this many times. The Christian life is the never ending and impossible task of trying to live out in practice what is true of me positionally. The Christian life is just the never ending impossible task because we can never do it perfectly, but I'm constantly supposed to be trying to live out and practice what is true positionally. Positionally in Christ, I'm, as it says here, I am light. I'm righteous. I'm holy. There's no darkness at all in Christ. Now I need to walk as children of the light. I need to try to walk and practice what is true positionally. So that verse is very interesting. The next one they have is Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is whom the father chasteneth not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. That's Hebrews 12, 6 through 8. Now that describes practice. God chastening, chastening us. God bringing some type of chastisement upon us because of the way we're living and the way that we are walking, which in many cases is inconsistent not only with our position, it's inconsistent with even our profession. All right, those are the verses. I can start teaching right there, but we'll just set that aside. Ephesians 1.3, Ephesians 5.8, and Hebrews 12.6-8. You may want to write those down because what we're trying to get here is that in your Bible reading, if you're going to interpret the Bible correctly, you need to be able to see and distinguish and contrast between position and practice. You, if you confound those, you just end up in your Christian life completely confused and perplexed. Here is how they introduce this study. You ready? Here we go. Again, one-year discipleship course from David Cloud. Here we go. Another essential thing in the Christian life is to understand the difference between position and practice or relationship and fellowship. Now, I typically use the word position and practice, but they, they add a new these new phrases that you may use, relationship and fellowship. There is a difference between my relationship with God, which is based off the grace of God, right? My relationship with God is based off grace. It's based off his mercy. That's what it's based on right? His imputed righteousness. My, my relationship is secure because of an imputed righteousness. Fellowship deals with my practice and my closeness to God, all right? Fellowship can fluctuate. Fellowship can change. Relationship never changes because my relationship is, well, because of God's grace, all right? But we can, we can talk more about that. What we So uh, they go on to say this. Another essential thing in the Christian life is to understand the difference. Please, we got to understand the difference between position and practice or relationship and fellowship. What we mean by this is that the believer has a new position and relationship before God that is eternal, perfect, unchanging, and depends entirely upon Christ. I want you to hear that. Your position... Your relationship before God is eternal, it is perfect, it is unchanging, and it depends entirely upon Christ. It does not 
depend upon you. You cannot impact your relationship, your position that is eternally secure because you have that by grace. You have that because of God's because of the imputed righteousness of Christ to your account, that you stand before God perfectly holy and righteous because Christ's obedience has been given to you. His righteousness has been imputed to you, I should say, been accredited to your account, to use correct language. So I want you to, your position in your relationship is eternal, perfect, unchanging, and it depends entirely upon Christ. But the believer also has a practice in this present world that is less than perfect and depends on his obedience. Your practice and your fellowship, your practice and your fellowship is dependent upon your obedience. It's always less than perfect. Multitudes, they go on to say, multitudes of professing Christians have become discouraged or even shipwrecked from failure to understand this truth. Now, I want you to stop right there. Have you ever felt the the discouragement, the depression, the frustration, the aggravation, maybe even the feeling of just wanting to give up because you did not draw a distinction between your position and your practice. So much of the Christian life is practice, 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 do this, do this, do this, do this. Or we could say law, 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 but do this, do this, do this. Don't do this. Don't do that. It's so much about your practice. You've got to do this. You've got to do this. And we almost forget our position. Our practice must flow from our position. No matter what we fail in our, see so many people, this is what's so problematic here is so many people want to judge someone's position based off their practice. So if your practice isn't good enough, they will say, well, then I don't know if you were saved. That means you're challenging someone's position based off their practice, but my practice doesn't prove my position. You want to know my position in Christ? Don't look to my righteousness. Don't look to my works. Look to the finished work of Jesus Christ. Look to his perfect righteousness. Look to his death upon the cross. That's how you know my position. It is eternal. It is secure. And it is, it's dependent completely upon Christ. But we constantly tell people that their position, their practice proves their position. Their practice proves their relationship. So then we create these tests, do these 10 things, and then you know you're saved. So I've got to look to my practice to prove my position. That means my position is not dependent upon Christ. It becomes dependent upon my actions. But my position is eternally secure because uh, unless you believe that we are given an infused righteousness and we must cooperate with it, and if you believe that, it's probably because you're a member of the Roman Catholic Church. But if you're if you're a Protestant or if you're if you're someone who rejects Catholicism, that shouldn't be your way of thinking. How do how how do I know that my salvation is secure? How do I know that I'm saved? I know that I'm saved because I'm trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ. I don't know that I'm saved based off my actions because my actions can't prove my position because my my position is determined by the imputed finished work of Jesus Christ. So multitudes of professing Christians have become discouraged or even shipwrecked from failure to understand this truth. 
This almost happened to Harry Ironside, the famous Bible commentator. He began his Christian life as a zealous member of the Salvation Army, believing their doctrine of a second blessing of a sinless perfection. Harry set out to obtain this experience. He fasted, he prayed, and he sought God as earnestly as he knew how. Finally, he went out into the woods, determining to stay as long as necessary, and he experienced what he thought was the second blessing. He returned to the Salvation Army meeting and stood up to testify that he had found it. Soon, though, he realized that the old man was still present in his life, and he became so discouraged that he had a breakdown and ended up in a hospital. He determined to forget about the Christian life since it did not work. But God sent two believers to instruct him properly in biblical sanctification. He was then able to establish his Christian life on a proper foundation and go on to be a very fruitful servant of Christ. He had a basically a mental breakdown. And a lot of Christians do that because you're, you're almost told, I, again, a lot of people say, if you're in Christ, you're a new creature, old things are passed away, all things have become new. We, we preach that as if that is true, speaking of your practice. The only problem is you start living out your life, you're going to realize the old is not gone and everything is not new because you're going to realize that you still have a sinful nature, sinful desires, sinful lust, and you're, go and you're going to constantly sin. So at some point, you're going to say, this doesn't work. No, because someone lied to you. They gave you something that is true of your position and tried to make you believe it was true in your practice and you realize that it's not. I, I, I'm, I'm waiting for someone to go, what I'm waiting for right there is someone to go, hey, I'm waiting for an applause. I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for an amen. I'm waiting for, um, I'm waiting for this. That's what I was waiting for, but it, it didn't happen. <laughs> it didn't happen because that's, that's gold right there to understand. People give you these concepts that are true of your position and they try to make you think that they're true of your practice. And sooner or later, you're going to realize they're not true of your practice. So you're either going to think Christianity doesn't work or that you're not saved. And then you live in a cont continuing thing going, I'm not saved. I mean, anyone who gives you those tests. Again, I've talked about it before. MacArthur has what I think a twelve-point test. Jonathan Edwards had like a fourteen-point test. Here's your test. Here's how you know you're saved. Here's how you know you're saved. You don't want to know how I know I'm saved? Look to Jesus Christ. I have placed my trust in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ's finished work is proof of my salvation, not what I do because my actions can't prove an imputed righteousness, unless you believe the imputed righteousness is an infused righteousness, which you go right back to Roman Catholicism. All right, well, in this, this uh, discipleship course, the next heading is relationship and fellowship. So they've described it as, you know, position and practice. Now they're going to use the term relationship and fellowship. The believer has been adopted into God's family as a son because of Christ's blood. Let's go to Galatians 3.20. 6 Galatians 
Galatians 3.26, for ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. All right. I would like to say we've all we've been adopted into God's family as a son. Yes, because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, but because of faith, by faith. I have believed in Christ. I'm trusting in his finished work. I am now a child of God. And this new relationship will never change. Your relationship, you being a child of God, can never change. You were adopted. We could go, we could go into a, a major discussion here about you were elected, you were chosen, you were called, you were saved, you were given faith. Okay. I know others will reject some of those teachings, and we can get into a whole discussion about order salutis and the order of salvation. We we don't have to go into all of that right now. Just know that we all we should all every Christian should believe I'm a child of God because of faith. And that this new relationship will never change. It is a gift that was purchased at a great price. God will never kick the believer out of his family. Uh, At the same time, in this present world, fellowship with God depends on whether or not I walk in the light. Walking in fellowship with God is the subject of 1 John. All right? So my fellowship is based off what I do. That can change. That can fluctuate. I can be in close fellowship with God, or I can, in a sense, be out of fellowship with God, but I'm still a son of God. I'm always a child of God because I've been adopted and chosen and saved by Christ. My fellowship with God fluctuates. I may be in close fellowship. I may be out of fellowship, but my sonship never, my fellowship may change. My sonship, my being a child, your your how you want to call it a sonship, childship, daughtership, my relationship cannot change. But my fellowship depends on me walking in the light. Look at first John chapter one. I believe personally, First John, First John must be uh, interpreted first and foremost as a polemic against Gnosticism. But we've we've talked about that in the past. We won't go into that right now. First John chapter one. This then is the message which you have heard of him and de- and declared unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Now that obviously has to be dealing with fellowship and not our relate. Some people want to make this a test of your position. Well, then the minute you walk in darkness, then you're not saved, or you prove that you're not saved. You say, well, it, it it depends on how much you walk in darkness, and people try to find all of these ways around it. No, this is dealing with our fellowship. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. All right, so our fellowship is based on, well, our obedience, our walking, or how we walk before God. If I walk in darkness, I am out of fellowship, but this does not change my relationship. God does not throw away his children. In a sense, he disciplines them to bring them back into fellowship, Hebrews 12, 6 through 10, which we read at the beginning relationship and fellowship can be illustrated by human relationships. I was born into my father's family and I'm his son. Nothing has ever changed that. There were times when I was disobedient and foolish and displeased my father and we did not have good fellowship together during those times. My father still loved me and yearned for my fellowship, but I had to repent and honor him before that could happen. The same is true in God's family. All right. 
Now, I'm going to stop right there. I could finish this, but I don't want to because I want to just leave that there. Just kind of, I just kind of, in a sense, set the table. And I want you to just think about it. How, and I want you to really think about this. In your Christian life, I want you to be honest with you. I want you to think, have there been times where you confused your position and your practice, your relationship and your fellowship? Have you sat under teaching that almost told you what is true of your position? What They made what is true of your position to be true of your practice, and you begin to realize that can't be true of my practice because you never live according to that. So you started doubting your salvation and questioning if Christianity ever works. That's because you sat under teaching that took what's true of you positionally and tried to claim that it's true of your practice. That is evil and wrong and, and just so sad that that happens to people. My position, I'm perfect, I'm holy, I'm righteous, I'm godly, I'm perfectly obedient because all of that's been imputed to me. In practice, I am still a sinner with a sinful nature. I'm going to struggle. I'm going to fall. All things are not new in practice. I'm not a new creature in practice. I'm still the old me. I still struggle. I still have lust. I still sin. I still fall. None of it is excused. And I should seek to live out what is true positionally. Your position is what should, your your practice should flow from your position. But if you confuse the two, well, then you're going to find yourself discouraged because you will never be what you are positionally. You will never be until you're glorified. When you're glorified, then your position becomes reality. Uh, because now you're glorified, your sinful nature is gone, and we can, we can get into that whole discussion. But I just want you to think about all of the possible problems, discouragements, and, and frustrations you've had in your Christian life as a result of this these being confounded and confused. Position, relationship, they are perfect, they are unchangeable, and they are there because of God alone. Your fellowship and your practice is ever-changing. They are dependent upon your obedience. There we go. I just closed my iPad. I'm sorry. I just closed my Kindle. Okay. Not my iPad. All right. There we have it. Yeah. I was waiting to see if we're going to get any questions. Now, sometimes things have not been showing up in chat, so I'm going to Lower the volume here really quick. Open up the Spreaker app. I'm going to go open up, click the little chat icon, and nope, no one has said anything. Again, I I, I honestly, truly, truly, truly believe that the reaction to all of this should be, I I really believe it should be this. That's what it should be, a full-blown celebration that there, there is a distinction here. And, it, and it, it, even if you already knew it, being reminded of it, you should still celebrate in it. But if you, if you, don't, take, if you don't rejoice in this, I'm sorry, you can, you can try to argue all day, but I, 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 the reality is you're, you know, and you're, you know, if you're honest with yourself, 
You know in practice, you know your sin, you know your rebellion against God, you know your wrong attitudes, wrong desires, wrong motives, you know, you know how much you fall short of God's standard every single day. You do. So therefore, you better be hoping and trusting in your position, and your position has nothing to do with you. It's all because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. How do you know you're saved? Look to the finished work of Jesus Christ. All right, I'll stop right there. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. We will finish this study maybe later tonight. I don't know. It'll probably be tomorrow. Well, yeah, probably tomorrow evening. I'll try to make it a priority. All right, I'll stop right there. Everyone have a great one. God bless.